Bidenflation is out of control. I want to take a minute to talk to you about the fragile state of the U.S. dollar and what it means for you. Remember, the U.S. dollar, that's your money in your bank accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks. That's your U.S. dollar. So I think we're in for a tough year. And Biden's printing and spending could be catastrophic for the U.S. dollar, the markets. We've already seen what's going on. Now, us patriots know that Biden inflation is the real pandemic. It's about to get worse. And that is why I recommend that you diversify with gold and silver now. The only company I recommend is Allegiance Gold. My friends, Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver. They have gold IRAs or have it delivered securely right to your door. They will educate you on the benefits of physical gold because they care and want to build a long-term relationship. Allegiance Gold has the highest rating from third-party protection agencies, five stars with TrustLink, and they are a AAA rated with the Business Customer Alliance and have an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. By the way, with a qualifying purchase, you get $500 of free silver when you tell them that POSO sent you. So do not wait. Click today, allegiancegold.com backslash POSO. We cannot control the Biden administration but we can prepare for ourselves and for our families. AllegianceGold.com slash POSO, AllegianceGold.com slash POSO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's first story, an exclusive and a shade war update. I know it's been a little while. We've got another one for you. The Biden White House is actively seeking confrontation with Moscow to restore credibility. We're gonna break it down. We've got a data dump from a White House staffer to human events. Next, Ray Epps is set to testify on Friday. We'll explain it all. Third, the Israeli vaccine chief has come out and admitted that vaccine passports are ineffective and don't stop the spread. And then finally, CCP factions are intensifying their feud ahead of the Olympic games. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Well, today we do have an exclusive report here on Human Events Daily on the Ukraine crisis that is now being exacerbated by President Biden and staffers within his administration. Human Events Daily can exclusively report we got a data dump last night from a White House staffer that has insight into everything that's going on. Now, I told you before that this administration is going to be using Ukraine as a way to wag the dog. Now, what is wag the dog? Wag the dog is when you are faced, when an administration is faced with a domestic crisis, crippling failures of their agenda across the board, just like the Biden administration is experiencing now. And I said this last Friday when I said today was the end of the Biden administration, because it was, for all intents and purposes. They have negative political capital. And I said, what are they going to do? They are going to use this crisis in Ukraine they are going to use the potential of an armed kinetic conflict, sending Americans over there, the sons and daughters of the deplorables to be in harm's way over this border dispute as a way to restore their credibility for their domestic and international agenda. And then lo and behold, what does White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki come out and say next? 
let's be clear. Our view is this is an extremely dangerous situation. We're now at a stage where Russia could at any point launch an attack in Ukraine. Uh, and what Secretary Blinken is going to go do uh, is highlight very clearly there is a diplomatic path forward. It is the choice of President Putin and the Russians to make whether they are going to suffer severe economic consequences or not. So here's the data dump from last night. And I'm going to read this verbatim to you, directly message to me from a White House staffer. Biden is now at Condition Eagle, which means hourly updates. DOD and state are working 24-7 on appeasement options, but it's getting nowhere. Biden wanted to send Sullivan and Bonnie Jenkins to Moscow, but no response from the Kremlin. Dead silence. Austin has been consulting with Panetta and Carter. And both of them are saying, just let him have what he wants. Yet Ron Klain, the White House Chief of Staff, is running around thinking that he is Patton, saying that we need to mobilize UCOM and publicly commit to defending Ukraine by military force. He thinks that Biden can be, quote, the leader who defeated Putin. The divide is strikingly deep. Kamala, Vice President, wants to avoid armed conflict in an election year. And yet President Biden is demoralized on the foreign policy front and anxiously wants to regain some credibility. So he is leaning more towards confrontation. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Blinken is on President Biden's side because he is still on the, shall we say, crap list from last September when, with the fall of Kabul. It is a complete clown show, end quote. They want to mobilize the United States military to get into a confrontation with a nuclear power in Eastern Europe over a border dispute that's been going on, sure, for 30 years since the fall of the Soviet Union, but when you really look at the dispute between Kiev and Moscow, this is something that goes back hundreds of years. There has always been territorial tension in Eastern Europe, and this is something that they are looking to work out. This is not, and I repeat, not, a national security concern for the United States of America. Yet when it comes to the Biden family, we know very well why it is that the Biden family cares so deeply about Ukraine. What's really going on behind the scenes is that people like Tony Blinken, right? People like Victoria Newland, Jake Sullivan, Jonathan Finer, these were all people who served in the Obama administration. That's when you saw the Maidan revolution that overthrew President Yanukovych. That's when you saw Petro Poroshenko, who, by the way, is an oligarch, become the president of Ukraine because they wanted to bring Ukraine into NATO and they wanted to bring the Ukraine into the EU. That is what they consider unfinished business. And they realize that they're really only going to have a couple of more months of a free hand to do this stuff because it looks like the Congress will not be on their side come next year. So what are they gonna do? They're trying to run the table to finish their unfinished business in Ukraine, working with the oligarchs over there, like the ones that were behind Burisma, like the ones that were given Hunter Biden $50,000 a month for his expertise. We understand what you're doing here. This is wag the dog, and you are going to get people killed in Ukraine the same way that you got people killed in Kabul. Mark my words. Well, 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 this Friday, none other than the man himself, Ray Epps, is going to testify before Speaker Pelosi's special select committee 
on January 6th. Ray Epps himself will be in person. Now here's a very interesting situation. Ray Epps met informally with the panel in November and told them that he had no relationship with the FBI. But I'm confused because we're told that Ray Epps, who was an Oath Keeper in Arizona, Oath Keepers, of course, have been uh, charged with seditious conspiracy for the events of January 6th. We were told by none other than Congressman Adam Kinzinger, who got into it with me on Twitter, said, no, 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 we talked to Ray Epps, he cooperated, and I, I quote him. Kinzinger said, we thank Ray Epps for cooperating with the committee. And yet now we find that Ray Epps didn't actually fully cooperate with the committee in terms of testifying, right? You see, this is what people like Congressman Kinzinger do. They use weasel words to get out of things. He didn't, notice he didn't say he testified before the committee. He said Epps cooperated with the committee. So what he's doing is, He's misleading you to make you think that Epps testified before the committee. He's giving the impression that Epps testified before the committee. Everyone who read the story and reported on it certainly got the impression that he testified. That's what was implied by the congressman. And yet now we've got the story out of Politico that says he didn't actually testify. But now on Friday, that he does intend to sit for a transcribed interview on Friday with the select committee investigating the attack on the Capitol, as attorney said in a phone interview. All right, so let's go back to the tape. Let's go back and look at why it is that people have so many questions about Ray Epps. This is from January 5th, the night before January 6th. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. From Politico, Epps has kept a low profile since former President Donald Trump's allies began promoting a theory that Epps had helped foment the attack. Their claims stem from videos taken on January 5th showing Epps urging Trump allies to go into the Capitol with you know, members of the protest, uh, an exhortation that some in the crowd quickly booed and responded to with chants accusing Epps of being a Fed. Epps quickly added that it should be done peacefully. Epps was also seen in footage just before 1 p.m. on January 6th at the front of a line of Trump supporters who were among the first to breach the Capitol barricades. He whispered something into the ear of Ryan Samsel, who has been charged as one of the first defendants to breach secured Capitol grounds. But Epps did not appear to join in the violence, and his lawyer says he was never in the Capitol building, key factors in the Justice Department's charging decisions. So here's what I don't understand. If you got a guy here who, and I, I said this last week when we talked about Ray Epps, I was there on January 5th doing stand-ups. And in, you know, the stand-up is when you, you know, interview people in the crowd, man on the street kind of stuff. I remember seeing him with that, that big overshirt that he had. And I remember him getting into it with people in the crowd. And I went back and we looked at the archives and we didn't actually have any footage of him, you know, doing this because we weren't, you know, we were at the Freedom Square is pretty big. So, you know, this was stuff that was going on in a different area. We were looking at people and talking to people that were right in front of us, very dense. But I do remember seeing this guy and seeing him have an altercation. Now, that must be, you know, I've, I've looked at that video where they're screaming fed, fed, fed at him you know, to see if you can see me. And I was with a camera guy uh, who were there that day, but you can't really see us in the background. It's dark, et cetera. But Obviously, there were a lot of people out on January 5th. The question on everyone's mind is, if this guy traveled across state lines, right, which I know, I know, 
We're not talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. We're talking about what? The Riot Act. The Riot Act literally states, and this was my response to uh, Congressman Kinzinger last week, that if you cross state lines with the intent to foment or incite a riot, that you have broken federal law. That is the point of the Riot Act. That's where we get the phrase, reading the Riot Act, read him the Riot Act. So my question then is, for the DOJ, for the FBI, for everyone who's involved in this, why is it that people who've been walking around peacefully, people who are protesting, people who uh, committed no violence whatsoever have been arrested in this or accused of committing violence when there's no evidence of it, you'll go after them, but you got a guy here who very, very directly seems like he's instigating violence. He's also, by the way, specifically, specifically urging people even 24 hours prior to go into the Capitol. And yet he gets away with just an interview. And, oh, you know, don't worry about it. He didn't do anything wrong. Explain, like, 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 make it make sense. <laughs> What's the line? Make it make sense. Break it down for me. Explain it to me like I'm five. Why is it that Ray Epps gets a pass? And did he, as we know, by the way, that many Oath Keepers had connections with federal informants and federal agents, did he potentially have any of these connections as well? We need to see a transcript, and this testimony on Friday ought to be in public. We know it won't be. So this story came across my desk today and just really was something that I said, I gotta get this out there. People need to hear this because this is one of those ones where, you know, it's something normally that people, they think about and they question and it's on everyone's mind and yet you never hear one of the quote unquote experts actually admit it. One of them did. Unheard.com, the headline is, Israeli vaccine chief, we have made mistakes. The cathartic response that you get from hearing just one of them admit that mistakes were made, that things could have been done better. Professor Cyril Cohen talks herd immunity and his pandemic regrets. Listen to this, just an incredible, absolutely incredible. Freddie Sayers uh, got the interview on this on her.com, listen to a, a snippet of it. That vaccine passports should be got rid of, phased out, because they're no longer relevant in the Omicron era. I, I yeah, I tend to think so. And that's also something else, you know, this is, you know, we, we have to look at the future. We need better vaccines to prevent transmission. I mean, I'm all for a nasal vaccine, for example, that would be able to better mimic the immunity that we get from the disease. And uh, we know, even, even if the Omicron actually is causing a lot of, uh, you know, breakthrough, uh, not breakthrough infection, but reinfections, you know, people that were vaccinated and, you know, secondary infections, et cetera, et cetera, we have to take into account that still the virus is better at immunizing than the vaccine. But... Sorry. And the stuff coming out of this is just incredible. Uh, so Professor Cohen is head of immunology at Bar-Alan University and a member of the advisory committee for vaccines for the Israeli government. In the forthright interview, and it is a forthright interview, he admits the Green Pass vaccine passport concept is no longer relevant in the Omicron era and should be phased out. What does that mean? Vaccine passports are irrelevant 
under Omicron and they should be phased out. You know, no big deal. Uh, he and his colleagues were surprised and disappointed that vaccines did not prevent transmission as they had originally hoped. The biggest mistake of the pandemic in Israel was closing schools and education. He apologized for it. Widespread infection is now an inevitable part of future immunity, otherwise known as herd immunity. Omicron has accelerated the pandemic into an endemic phase in which COVID will be like the flu. It will be just another one of those things that's out there. It'll become seasonal. Seasonal. It'll be something that you can catch, but you can deal with if you have a strong immune system or if you have immunity from antibodies. Some of the key quotes, and this one just, just I mean, I don't even know if we can say this. Like, I don't even know if we can say this. But I, I wanna be very clear, I am quoting from Professor Cohen of Barlon University, who is an advisor to the Israeli government, professor of immunology. With Omicron, where we don't see, where we don't see virtually any difference, there is a very narrow gap between people vaccinated and non-vaccinated. Both can get infected with a virus more or less at the same pass. Herd immunity is a consequence for me. It's not an objective, it's not a goal. There is a thin nuance here, if I may say, that people have to grasp. I'm not saying people should go and get affected. I don't think that this is a model that we need to adopt. What he's saying is that herd immunity is now inevitable, which a lot of people had said early on, a lot of people had said that early on. And then finally, um, you have to understand that the green pass is not necessary and that it's not a secret. It's not necessarily, this is incredible. The green pass was not necessarily to prevent transmission, that the vaccine passports were to encourage people to get vaccinated. It was a coercive measure. So he's admitting that the vaccine passports were not done. I'm here in Washington, D.C., where there is a vaccine passport mandate regime in place. I am unvaccinated, yet I've had COVID, so I have immunity. So I can't go out right now in D.C., to any of these places. And he's saying right there, it's a coercive method. It has nothing to do with stopping the spread. Chairman Xi Jinping is about to be named chairman for life of the CCP, the ruling party, the regime of China. You know, it's interesting because in the United States and in the West writ large, we have a ruling class, but we don't have a name for it, right? You know, so there's just this sort of ruling class, administrative class, establishment. There's many different terms for it, but there's no definitive body that we can directly point to and say, well, that's a member of the ruling class. But in China, they don't have that problem. In China, they have the CCP, because you can see them right there. There they are, they're the CCP. If you're a party member, you're a member of the party, you're in. We have the same situation in the US, but we, you know, we don't like to talk about it. I digress. Prior to Xi Jinping, the last several chairman of the party, Jiang Zemin, Hu Jintao, both served two terms, or excuse me, one 10-year term each. What does this mean? Xi Jinping, who came to power in 2012, his 10-year term would be coming up this year. But that's not happening, is it? No. He hasn't named a successor yet, which he should have at the last party conference, the 19th Party Congress. This is the, you know, these big conferences that are held by the CCP. And so two years ago, should have held, should have named a successor, didn't. This time around, they're going to make a change and they are going to name him chairman for life. 
these upcoming Olympics or a coronation for Xi Jinping? And why shouldn't they be? He has ridden all of this to his success. Listen to Xi Jinping at Davos, the World Economic Forum, with Klaus Schwab just this week. We now welcome His Excellency Xi Jinping, President of the People's Republic of China. Professor Klaus Schwab, ladies and gentlemen, friends, greetings to you all. It is my pleasure to attend this virtual session of the World Economic Forum. In two weeks' time, China will celebrate the advent of spring in the Lunar New Year, the Year of the Tiger. In Chinese culture, tiger symbolizes bravery and strength, as the Chinese people often refer to spirited dragon and dynamic tiger, or soaring dragon and leaping tiger. To meet the severe challenges facing humanity, we must add wins to the tiger and act with the courage and strength of the tiger. Now there is factional infighting within China, even within the party itself, within the CCP itself. You have two major factions right now, Xi Jinping's faction and Jiang Zemin's faction. Jiang Zemin, the previous chairman prior to Hu Jintao. And Jiang Zemin, he was one of the technocrats, right? He was a technocrat in the mold. He was directly appointed, right, directly chosen as the successor to Deng Xiaoping. Deng Xiaoping was the one who said, we need to move away from economic communism and move to more of a, of a mold of a model of state capitalism. And that's what they have now. So it's state-controlled capitalism, CCP-controlled capitalism is what China has. Uh, I saw somebody once mention it. They said it's like, some days it feels like you're in the United States, and some days you're like on Wall Street, and some days it feels like you're in North Korea. That's the reality of the People's Republic of China right now. And so Jiang Zemin and the rivals and the factions are trying to turn up the heat, and they're publishing all sorts of op-eds out there saying we need stability, we can't go along with this plan, we can't have anything. But Xi Jinping is 10 steps ahead of all of them. And here's why. They didn't call out Xi Jinping and his leadership of the party vis-a-vis -vis the COVID-19 outbreak, the Wuhan lab, Xi Jinping rode that to victory over Jiang Zemin's faction. And mark my words, this November, Xi Jinping will win, his anti-corruption campaign locking up his opponents will win, and he will be declared chairman for the rest of his life of the CCP. Ladies and gentlemen, another action-packed episode of Human Events Daily, and that is why you turn in here for your daily briefing every single day. Remember our motto to you, be good, be brief, be gone. We are going to give you this high level news, analysis, information that you need in less time than anybody else out there, I guarantee it. But remember our homework for each of you, leave us your five-star review and then go and share this with one of your normie friends. Be the influence agent. Go out there and say, hey, you know, there was a great story I caught, human events, uh, he had this awesome take on Ukraine, what's going on with the Biden White House, this other thing on the CCP, the Olympics, what's going on over there, really interesting. You should probably check that one out. Before I go, today's moment of history, January 19th, 1983, the butcher of Lyon was arrested in Bolivia, former Gestapo official Klaus Barbie responsible for deporting Jewish children from Lyon to Auschwitz. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.